0: Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, we're going to talk to Vin Martelli, who's been with TBT from the beginning. Vin's got some great stories to tell and an even better Boston accent. You're going to love this interview. We've recorded this one on site, so if the audio isn't quite up to our usual standards, my apologies. Voting is now live on thetournament.com. If you haven't already, be sure to go to thetournament.com, register, and vote for your favorite teams. You can vote for up to four, and if one of them wins, you could win too. Remember also to subscribe to TBT's podcast on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It'll help spread the word. Thanks.
1: Hi, I'm Vin Martelli, and I'm an advisor and uh, one of the founders of TBT.
0: Vin, how did you first find out about TBT?
1: Well, subsequent to to John having numerous conversations with Dan Frail and and uh, <laughs> inventing this whole thing. I was contacted by John through some mutual friends to talk about, um, to help him, you know, think about putting a business plan together and thinking about how to commercialize this thing.
0: And this is, I mean, this is something that you do. You're not just some guy that John called up. I mean, this yeah. is your background, right? Yeah,
1: my my. <laughs>
0: <laughs> John's gonna walk in and maybe he'll join us for the podcast. This is great
1: <laughs> um yeah my business is i'm a i'm a consultant and investor and i you know i help uh i help companies um perform better and i help start up businesses with business planning and and things like that.
0: Right. But what's your background in sports too? Cause that goes way back too.
1: Yeah. I, I and mean, I, I, my
0: background is in baseball, although I
1: played basketball and was captain of my high school team in basketball. Um, um that's not saying much because it was a bunch of little Italian guys <laughs> and I played like strong forward at all of six feet tall. But, uh, I played baseball when I was younger and played baseball at Harvard University. And then played minor league baseball in the Cleveland Indians organization for a very brief period of time. What
0: was that experience like going from Harvard, where I guess when, that would have been in the eighties, right?
1: Yeah, I, I got I graduated from Harvard in eighty three, and I uh, was in the Cleveland system, and you know 83, 84 into eighty five. I guess uh, seems like a long time. What before. was the
0: jump like, however, play from Ivy League baseball to well, it was that?
1: it was it was interesting because um, you know we. We had a really good baseball program. And in those days we could compete. You know, we played I had two years where we were in the NCAA regional tournament. We lost in like the regional finals. We never did get to the World Series. But you know, we had competitive teams and we had a great program. And so one of the things was that everything was pretty first class. We had great facilities of course. and you know, we traveled in style and stuff like that, you know, for a college team. So going into the minors and you know, riding on rickety buses and uh, you know, twelve hour bus rides and all of the stuff that you read about was was pretty fun. But but I also my first contract, I was making, you know, six hundred dollars a month in uh in the rookie league, you know.
0: Were you really? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do with all that money? <laughs> you tried to eat, you know, that was awesome. And I
1: remember I remember having having a, a conversation after my first year. I had a good year, my first year and I was kind of a prospect and in the organization and uh, and uh, Bob Quinn, who is a great old baseball name, who was the director of minor leagues for Cleveland and um, his family had been in baseball for years and, and uh, he called me about signing my contract for the second year. And, uh, you know, he'd spent about 10 minutes telling me what a great season I had and how they loved me and I was a great prospect and I was going to make it to the majors and everything. And I said, that's great, Bob. I said, hey, I said, can you do me a favor? I said, can I get some more money somehow just so I can eat a little better? Yeah. You know, and he goes, oh, you goddamn guys are the same. <laughs> <laughs> What good year you think you could ask for anything? So, I, so he, 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 after a, a huge fight, he bumped me up to six hundred fifty dollars a month.
0: <laughs> so that ends, and then you end up what going to graduate school or getting yeah, into business I, or what I, I,
1: I went to graduate school. I went to business school at Harvard and got an MBA, and then I went into the consulting business and uh, investing business and. and uh, you know, basically um, uh, doing strategy at uh, first in the consulting business, strategy work for businesses. And then, you know, um, a lot of M&A type stuff of looking at businesses to buy and helping businesses to sell themselves and helping businesses with strategy. Right. In one form or another, I've been doing that, you know, for my whole career.
0: So then... It, it flash forward now, almost you know it's got to be over twenty five years from that point, and the idea for TBT comes to you. You've been in business for decades at this point, and you have the background in sports. Was there something that you identified with as an athlete yourself that didn't quite reach the pinnacle of what you were doing, uh, or maybe never have the chance to do that? And, uh, that you identified with with TBT?
1: You know, that's a great point. I, I had never really thought of that, but you're probably right. You know, I think I, I, uh, I, I did, that was one part of it that, that I recognized was that, you know, there are an awful lot of really talented people who don't make it to the NBA or to Major League Baseball. But on any given day, You know, they can compete at a very high level and, uh, it's worth watching those people if they're playing in a format that's, um, that's the right format. You know, what I, what I liked about it, um, I've always looked at, I've always looked at this as kind of two different things that intersect. One is, um, a way of creating the best possible competition that you can create, which to me, is, is the, the most fascinating thing to watch in sports. That's more fascinating to me than watching stars play. Um, because you can watch a great high school game. And if the competition is really intense. And, uh, it's a well matched game, you know, it's worth watching and it can be a lot of fun. And I've sat through a lot of Major League Baseball games and NBA games that weren't really very compelling, even though you had the best players in the world out there playing. So the idea of, of, of creating great competition through really high stakes and having everything on the line, you know, the single elimination format I think is great. And I think the higher stakes are great. And then the whole openness of it and the democratic aspect was just kind of cool because, you know, as you said, you know, people get a chance. You'll get a chance to see people and there'll be interesting stories around it. So on the one hand, I said, gee, this is great. This really will create great competition. Like you'll have guys killing themselves out on this court and it'll be fun to watch what happens. And single elimination tournaments in general are fun to watch. Right. So I said, gee, yeah. Is there room for another March Madness type thing out there? Yeah. You know, people love that stuff, regardless of the
0: sport. That kind of brings me to my next question. And
1: then the, the, the second part, though, which was more intriguing to me, to be honest with you, was that You know, there, there's, there's a different way through social media that people can consume sports. And, you know, I, what I, what fascinated me was I said, gee, we've got the opportunity here to create something that's never been created before because the existing sports platforms, the professional sports leagues are trying to apply social media and, and how do they use social media to, to interact with their sports? And, and they, you know, they come up and people are coming up with very exciting things and interesting things. But we had the opportunity to kind of do it the other way around, right? To start with social media and say, how do people use social media? What's going on out there? And how do people use this? And then we can apply sports to that. So I thought that was a, a really powerful opportunity mm-hmm. is to, to, to create something, you know, particularly for younger people. You know, who can really, that can be a participative thing where people can get involved in this kind of high level competition in a real participative way through social media. And uh, being able to start with a clean slate, like like uh, like we have, I thought was just a, a, a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a really good point. Is that the traditional sports are retrofitting social media and every form, every other form of marketing onto a platform that's existed for a hundred years? Exactly. Whereas what this is doing is actually starting with that first and then almost retrofitting the sport onto the process. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
1: So you have these existing structures out there where you have certain payroll structures where players get paid certain amounts, you have, you know, ownership structures and 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 it all works very well, you know, for the people who own the teams and for the players who make all the money and all of that stuff. But to be able to start with a clean slate and say, "Wait a minute. What if we did something that really really did start with the fans?" You know, and everything else kind of built around that. Uh, that would be distinguishable. That would be really different. And right. that's something that the pro sports leagues just can't do because they have these structures that they work in. And they're great structures, you know, and we, we all, I, we love pro sports. We love the thing, but, you know, we had an opportunity to do something that really was different, you know? Um, so that, that's, that's what's so exciting about this thing to me.
0: People can probably hear it from, the way you're speaking, Vin, but obviously you're a passionate sports fan from Boston. You know, and I can hear that in the accent, and know it's coming out of me.
1: Lost accent? No, act you haven't. Hasn't gone away. After two,
0: two degrees from Harvard and a minor league baseball <laughs> career, and it's still there. But what I was going to ask you is, I mean, so growing up, you know, in New England in the in the '60s and '70s, what what are your passions as a sports fan at that time?
1: Well, I was I started out as a Red Sox uh fan and I have a family history with baseball. That I have my first cousin and my godfather was a guy named Tony Canigliaro, who was a great star in the sixties uh with the Red Sox. So that was my first kind of introduction to baseball. So I kind of grew up in a baseball family and I was always around it. And uh, you know, loved the Red Sox and followed the Red Sox at a very young age until Tony was traded to the California Angels and ultimately his brother Billy, who also played, my other cousin, who also played on the Red Sox, left the Red Sox. Then I had to start rooting for the Yankees because.
0: Did you really? (laughs) (laughs) You're like the only guy with that accent that roots for the Yankees. I I, I
1: hated the Red Sox because they they traded Tony C. how, How could you do that? You know? And then I, and I was a catcher as a kid and, uh, and I kind of fell in love with Thurman Munson and uh those Yankees teams, you know, in the seventies. Yeah. And uh I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about the Red Sox, which which eventually I lost as I got older and, and uh and started following following the Red Sox and and I had one of those great experiences that many people talk about with my father, who you know, very, very soon before he passed away. You know, we watched all the playoff and World Series games in 2004 when the Red Sox ultimately yeah. won the World Series. Yeah. And he was, you know, a lifelong Red Sox fan and a Boston Braves fan, you know, from way back when. Right. And uh, you know, experiencing uh experiencing that was a was a really meaningful thing in my life. But I've always been a sports fan. I loved all sports. You know, I played yeah. football, I played basketball. I grew up in a neighborhood of all you know, Italian and Irish kids, you know, all had big families and sports was a big part of the culture. We're always playing ball in one way or another.
0: So it's just kind of how you grew up. You've obviously been to a TBT in 2014, 15. You're going to be here in 2016 going to these games. What do you see on the faces of these athletes as they compete in TBT that is unique or that's different, that stands out to you?
1: You know, the one. This is the thing that this is one of the things that really struck me in certain situations with certain guys, because uh, a lot of these guys are continuing to play at a very high level overseas, professionally, and and these guys are, you know, they're really good, and they're still in it. You know, they're not, you know, they're not out of the loop or anything like that. However, what what I sensed was that being on a big stage. In a big tournament, you know, with television exposure, and for all this money, and um, I, I think that many of them they get back together with these guys that they know, and they're able to experience something that they thought they would never experience again. Mm. You know, because they go through college, they go through high school and some of them play at a very high level in college and they play in an NCAA tournament and they experience not only the competition, but the camaraderie of being on a team and the relationships that you build in, 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 you know, collectively going after this big goal. And then, you know, they go off and they do their thing. And if they're lucky enough, maybe they win a championship someplace in Europe. But you know what? It's never quite the same as with that college team, you know, and all your buddies and when you were young like that, you know, and playing, you know, on a big stage. So now they come back and they think, okay, you know, let's let's play some basketball. But when they get into the tournament, they start realizing, oh, my God. This is the thing that I loved about playing basketball my whole life. You know, this is the joy, the joy that I got from being part of something that's bigger than myself, being part of a team and enjoying the camaraderie and the competition of, of doing something uh, that's intense, you know, on a big stage. Uh, I, you see the the joy, really, that's the best word to use. You see the joy on the faces of these guys because they're doing what they love to do and what many of them felt like they would never get a chance to do again at this level. And uh, that's meaningful, you know, it really is because it, it manifests itself on the court, you know, when you watch the, the games and the level of competition and the intensity and the emotion, it's it's real. And so, um, you know, if it's genuine like that, it's real, it's authentic, you know, that's part of what makes... The competition, great, you know, it's it's uh, it's real guys really playing from their heart and playing together. And as you know, Dan, what we've seen is that the uh, the teams that play well as a team tend to do well in this tournament. Right. This really has been more about real basketball and team basketball, uh, much more so than it's been about stars and
0: star players. There's obviously a long way to go with TBT and a lot of stuff that we want to do that you know, will come in future years, but I'm interested in your perspective, not necessarily on step-by-step step what led to where we are, but the emotions of what it was like to try to get this launched in 2014, the couple of years of pitching it. What was that like as an, a business experience for you versus other stuff that you've, you've been involved with?
1: It's, uh, it, it's been fascinating. It's really been, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been, it seems like a long, long haul, but it's, it's similar to other startup ventures in many ways that it's very, very difficult to start something new. And it's particularly different, difficult to be a pioneer and to do something that people haven't done before. So for, for any kind of business, uh that's always a hard thing to do because human nature people people are risk averse you know by nature just everyone is so it, it's always difficult for people to accept that oh this might be a different way that people do things what was unique about this was that you know we we've been venturing into this world of uh media and media communications and TV and, and things like that. And that is a really, really interesting world. That, that's, I was shocked, frankly, at, at the risk aversion in, in, in what is supposedly a creative, you know, kind of world. Um, so it's, a, that's a tough business. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough getting things produced and getting things on TV and stuff like that but uh you know with with John's leadership John's been great because his 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 focus has always been on hey if we create a great event we create something that happens every year people are going to come back to it you know sports is a great thing there's room for another great sports event and if we do it right you know people are going to want to watch it you know and and uh, the media stuff will will come and uh you know that seems to be the case it seems to be happening
0: do you um you how closely do you follow along what goes on on the website during the application period
1: i i don't follow it i'm not in there every day i have to admit um but i i do i do check in and um yeah and my 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 drawback is that i'm not a huge fan of any professional sport, frankly. <laughs> what do you do but now? I, I watch, I like, I watch college basketball and I watch NBA playoffs and I, lo- I still love basketball. But, like, I don't know a lot of the players as well as you do and and as well as you guys do. So, I sometimes have to be informed about when, you know, somebody who's really important comes on to the website.
0: We were talking talking before we started because Christoph Porzingis is, like, the hottest thing in the NBA right now. And he submitted a um, video in support of this team from New Mexico. And somebody had explained to you. Why yeah,
1: that was I, I recognized his name. I said, "Oh, I know. This isn't that the guy who plays for the Knicks, you know." <laughs> and then somebody had to tell me, "No, you, you got to understand. This guy's like the hottest thing out there." And so, you know, my um, my sports, my consumption of sports viewing these days is uh, is focused more on golf. And
0: uh, unfortunately, a, not, golf's another great. I think. You know, because the game is slow and it takes a while to acquire a taste for it, it might get a bad rap. But golf is a great format because it's a tournament every weekend. Exactly. You know, and that's what I that's think really exactly works right. about golf. It's a different guy. You know, maybe you'll have a string of somebody that can win consecutive tournaments, but that's really rare that that even happens. That, that's that's so right. and 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 the pressure of
1: golf is really unique. And to see how people react to the pressure. So watching, you know, a Sunday afternoon, watching the last hour or so of a golf tournament, if it's close, is a fascinating thing because it's such a precise game and how people deal with their emotions is really what determines who wins. So it it, it has that element of high stakes and pressure you know, which is what we have in TBT, right? In in every single game, you know, there's pressure, and if you lose, you're out. And uh, that's the other thing that's great about golf. Although these guys, you know, on the PGA Tour make a lot of money off the course, you you still pretty much have to perform. You have to, you know, you have to perform to keep your card and to make your living and stuff. So last weekend, you know, was a great example because this guy Mike Herman won the, the Shell Open. And he's 39 years old, and he's been on the PGA Tour for seven or eight years, and he's kicked around everywhere and, you know, never dreamed that he would have a chance to win a golf tournament. And watching him win that tournament last weekend was really, really compelling. Well,
0: compelling yeah. And drum. it's not just the money that he makes. It's that there's implications for his longer term of his career. Changes
1: his whole life. Yeah. Life-changing thing, you know, being a, being a winner uh, on the PGA Tour. And, uh, I, you know, and I was watching them and, and think, and I'm thinking about TBT, you know, I was like, this guy's a TBT guy. Well, I was you know? going to ask you, I mean, <laughs> mean
0: don't you think, that, I mean, I think that what you're saying about golf is absolutely true. Yeah. That there are these emotions that lead to success or failure and everything else. I do feel like it's more apparent in golf because there's one guy there's a singular act there's five minutes between every shot yeah. you can see every bit of that emotion because the camera's trained on yeah. them the whole time i would love to know if you trained a camera on the point guard for um a team in tbt like if you had a camera on Davin white in that championship game last year yeah. every single second and i wonder if you would you would most likely see that same type of interaction don't you yeah. think yeah so yeah, this sounds absolutely. like it sounds like TBT would be right up your alley as a sports fan anyway because it kind of cuts to the chase well, it, it and, eliminates and, the
1: And you know what this you know that's why TBT would work in any sport. You know TBT is is you know ultimately it it really doesn't have to be just about basketball because this what we're doing here can work in any sport. Basketball it, it tends to be I think probably the best sport for this thing because there are so many great basketball
0: players. There's a way bigger supply of big, talented huge, players. Huge,
1: huge supply of talented basketball players all over the world, you know. And so basketball is 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 great, you know, for this. But um, you know, this this can work. This could work in any kind of sport because creating, you know, giving people an opportunity to play for really high stakes on a high st- on a big stage and to to experience something you know, that they thought they might never get the chance to experience, that is a compelling story, you know, in any, in any type of sport.
0: What are you looking forward to in TBT in 2016?
1: What am I looking forward to? You know, I, 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 love, I love watching the games. I love watching the games. It, it, the, the, um, I'll tell you what TBT's done for me in the last three years. It really did bring me back um, to my love of basketball. Because I, you know, as a kid playing basketball, you know, in the, in the schoolyard, out in the driveway, you know, I always loved it. There's something, you know, inherent about the game of basketball that is really great. That honestly, I lost over the years because, as I said, I'm not, you know, a big NBA fan or anything like that. And, uh, watching these guys play and play their guts out at the high level that they play. You know really clicked something inside of me about just you know what a what a wonderful game this is, but I have to you know putting on my business hat, I can't help myself here um watching this thing grow just as an as a venture you know and as an event and as an entity is just fascinating and uh it's it's a I'm having so much fun um because it, it, it i think and, I, you know, I don't want to say too much here, but there are just so many things that we can be doing here and so many places that we can go. We can have, you know, we'll be doing TBT in other countries around the world. This will be an international competition. We'll be doing this in other sports. And uh, I really think the sky's the limit on this thing. So it's 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 just a lot of fun to be
0: part of it. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thanks, Dan. All right. <laughs>